and welcome to Agony Ortiz podcast chat. I don't even know what we're going to call this. So many of you probably know me from a vlog that I do on Facebook called Agony Orty. I'm Sarah, I'm 30 years old, I'm diagnosed autistic and I have a little boy who is five years old and he's also diagnosed autistic and he goes to a special needs school in the UK. And I wanted to basically move away from the video format and bring an autistic podcast that we can do each week and have autistic guests and and loads of different people. But I have a guest with me who is going to be permanent. She's actually my co-host. And I met Ali in January uh, online. God, is that when? um, It was in January? Yeah, it feels like years. It feels like years, but she's she rocks. So I'll let her introduce herself. Yeah, so go, Ali. So who are you? Yeah, so I'm Allie. I live in the States. I live in California. I've been teaching for 10 years. Uh, three years ago, went to a therapist because I was struggling in my relationship. And my husband and I went and he's like, would you take a test for me? And I'm like, of course, sure. You know, I thought we were talking about relationships here, but whatever. So I took this mm. massive test and he comes back and he's like, and please keep in mind, this was like three years ago. So the diagnostic criteria were just like changing and the language is still getting worked out. But he's like, uh, I was pretty sure that you were Asperger's, but after taking this test, you are really autistic. And it's funny, one of, uh, one of my very best friends in Australia teaches special needs and we always used to talk about it. She helped me a couple of times with like special needs students that came in and how to make sure that I was doing right by them so they could have an environment where they could learn something. Uh, when I told her, I'm like, did you know I was diagnosed? They, I'm autistic. And she's like, oh, yeah. Like, totally matter of fact. She's like, it's not really something <laughs> you can tell somebody in casual yeah. conversation. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Agony Orty, you can go and check it out on Facebook. Um, there are some videos on YouTube as well, but I just wanted to explain like what the format of the podcast is going to be. So each week uh, it's going to be myself, Sarah, Agony Orti, and Ali Cat, my co-host. Hi. And we're going to be inviting guest speakers, aren't we, Ali, on each week? That's right. And what kind of things do you think we're going to be talking about? What kind of topics are you hoping to talk about over the next 12 weeks? Um, I know that we're going we're gonna to try to talk about like some of the taboos and talk about you know, the kind of labels. I've been quite surprised in this journey being yelled at for saying I'm autistic. You know, so I think that that's something we need to talk about, you know, what labels we use uh, and what labels we're allowed to use, like for ourselves. We're going to talk about what being autistic means and uh, how it is different, but not diminishing who we are. Awesome. I think that that question of like introducing myself for me right now is so intertwined with the research I've been doing on autism. So for me, I have a very mm-hmm. hard time right now because I'm so fixated on talking about this assessment and being, you know, this this new understanding through the looking glass of, oh, I now understand what I've been going through all this time. So right now my identity is completely wrapped up in the yeah, diagnosis. So we're going to be talking about the diagnostic criteria. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about that actually today. And I'm going to be focusing on Ali's journey of realizing 
that she's autistic. I call it autistic re- self-realization. <laughs> I think that's a good one. As way I of, like to yeah. call it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be looking at that and then I'll probably join in and chip in and tell you a little bit about my story as well. But we're going to um, also be inviting on guest speaker with Rosie King from CBB's Pablo. Um, CBB's, they released an animation all about an autistic llama. That's going to be amazing. It's incredible, Ali. And all the cast is diverse, identify either as neurodiverse, autistic, or as with a disability. You know, they really made it representative. So she's going to be on our show. I need to find a way to see that in the U.S. because I've been reading about it. It's been featured in my animation magazine subscription. So I need to double check and make sure you're a teacher, aren't you? Yeah, I teach. You teach animation? Mm, No, I... I trained in animation. I teach 3D modeling. So it's a, it's a little different. It's like I'm basically building the puppets for the puppeteer. That's awesome. Digitally. And Ali's been making a mouse. You've been making an Agony Orti Sara mouse, right, haven't you, right. for my, my <laughs> vlog series that I do online. <laughs> and why did you make me a mouse? Tell me a little bit about what, what made you. Because if anyone knows me, my features, my, my best friend Nick Hudson. Hi, Nick. He likes to point out that I've got a little button nose. Mm-hmm. And... Is that because I really thought that was cute that you you turned that into like a little feature? Well, I noticed that you often have your hair up in little balls, and I couldn't tell. I, you know, I I was struggling to come up with a way. I have no interest in drawing human beings whatsoever. So, like, if I have to draw a cartoon character and I'm trying to make them look human, I lose interest almost instantaneously. So, I started drawing different animals, and the mouse just kind of. And I think I remember calling you and saying, you know, your little ears, your little hair ears, are those? You did, What yeah. animal is that that you associate yourself with? And you're like, it's a mouse. And I had been doing sketches of mice anyways. because. And that was so insane. That was a moment, actually, where me and you were like, oh, my God. <laughs> she already sketched all these different series of Sarah mouses. <laughs> and it was really weird because you, you were like, would you say... A mouse or a bear? And I was like, a mouse. <laughs> and lo and behold, she's like, oh, good, because that's what I've gone ahead and, and, and drawn. <laughs> and there, there were these, all these different summer mice. And, yeah, it was just really cool that that you managed to get up that that's an animal that I kind of would pick. I wouldn't pick a bear. I'd pick a mouse. I guess that's, that's because I'm quite emotionally sensitive. I'm an emotional well, I one, I? keep telling I, you that you need to take a look at uh, Tale of Despero. The cartoon, the book, it doesn't matter. They're brilliant but I, I always it's funny because as a kid I always identified with that character so much one of the things that it says and I I can't remember these days if it was the book or the movie because I've read the book a few times and I've seen the movie uh, probably an embarrassed you know proper autistic obsession probably in excess of 500 times easily and oh, wow. oh yeah I, I obsess true and proper with films and the tale of Despero there's a point where it's like his eyes saw more than everyone else and his ears heard more than everyone else and his heart felt more than everyone else. And I was always like, that's me. I'm, I'm Despero. I'm this terrified little mouse who sees everything and is terrified of everything, but stepping out in front of the dragon's mouth anyway. So like that character was huge for me. So I, I've always kind of related to that, you know, small in a huge world that's too much sometimes. And I always joke, my my friend Carrie and I always are like, cats are so autistic. And like, I am kind of obsessed with cats. So like my avatar has always been a cat. And I've always thought that like, 
we kind of have fun conversations like Tom and Jerry with you running around and me just trying to keep up after you sometimes that it's kind of funny. You know, when Tom mm-hmm. and Jerry were getting along, when it wasn't a predatory relationship, when they were buddies. Yeah. Really interesting, actually, that you brought up the, the Mouse of Desperado as a, an example because one of the things that this pod chat, this autistic pod chat will be doing each week is autistic representation in film, media, and culture. And we don't think there's enough of it, do we, Ali? No, and we have some ideas about how it's portrayed and when they're getting it right and when it's subtle and when it's stereotypical. And Every week or so, we're going to be having a guest on. It's actually your husband. We're going to yeah. be having as a guest co-speaker, and he's going to be reviewing and, and discussing um, autistic representation in current film and media, past and present. Yeah. And we're going to be developing some really cool theories, but we're not going to talk go into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this podcast today is basically an introduction for you to get a feel of what we're about, who me and Ali are, and the format of the show. This one is is relaxed, and it doesn't have any guests in this one. And that's because I'm really nervous. <laughs> yeah, we're just testing out how this is even going to work. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're, like, turning, we're, just... we're turning our sitting around and chatting into <laughs> something. Because yeah, we, like, like, we help we each other a lot. You know, mm. we... There have been times where we've been talking and it's like, wait, you feel that way too? And like, it's a realization that like, we've been told that thinking this way or feeling this way or reacting to these stimulus have been somehow wrong. And then we meet someone else who struggles with the same thing. And it's like, oh my God, it's not just me. We're trying to talk about creating a safe space. We don't want to talk about things that diminish the conversation. We want to talk about things that are respectful to everyone who's trying to come together and deal with this in a respectful manner with each other. And it's going to be hard because we are, by definition, people who feel things much more passionately and strongly and emotionally than our environment has allowed us to safely. So there are going to be times where we piss you off and there are going to be times (laughs) where you guys are going to laugh, like, please be careful about you know, drinking liquids while you're listening to the show. I guarantee you, I make my husband spit coffee out his nose just about every other morning. Just I'm with always saying comments. that Ali needs to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I swear, honestly, guys, she's just... But you know, we're we're gonna cover all of this. I mean, there's gonna be times I guarantee you where people are gonna sit there and go, "I am not comfortable listening to this conversation." And those are the times where we're going to be talking about something that we really need to deal with. And please keep in mind, you know, that we're autistic and we're sensitive and we are trying to do this the right way, inclusively and respectfully. And we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to fall down because we struggle with those everyday social cues, too. We're going to misunderstand. And it's OK to be offended if we've said something that offends someone. It just that's an OK reaction. It's how you handle it that we're going to try mm-hmm. to talk about. We're, we, yeah. we're interested in trying... I mean, we, we're going to aim to be as diverse and as inclusive as possible because we're very aware. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm a Caucasian 30-year-old woman. I do not represent everybody yeah. who is autistic. Yeah. And, and we're very aware of that. And that's why we want, to, we want to invite people to have healthy debate, healthy discussion, and some of the issues that we're going to be talking about, just to give you an idea... Uh, we're going to do them hopefully weekly to try and keep the theme 
quite tied and concentrated because we do go off topic a lot. <laughs> oh my goodness I don't me. know what this... you're talking about. I am super focused and always on task. Yeah, no, that's just like, no. Yeah, that's not happened. That. <laughs> so, yeah. It, but the thing is, though, Liam will edit it so it'll look like we really are. Yeah, it will we're look like about totally competent. It's like, wow, I had no idea I could focus so well. Wow, I had no idea that they, 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 they didn't totally suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my neck. <gasps> Damn it, okay. I should explain that first. Nah, yeah. I just subluxed my neck. Right, okay. okay so I have we'll a disability. <laughs> I have a disability, <laughs> disability called Ellis or Ehlers Danlos syndrome. It's a connective tissue disorder that I was born with, and I was only diagnosed with it in January this year. So that sucks. And that happened because I started dislocating um, the knee bones connect to the right bone, and then the the thumb popped out, the shoulder subluxed, which is a partial dislocation. And now, every day, I partially dislocate. And it's rubbish and I'm housebound. So if you hear clicking, creaking or clicking or anything like that, or me going, ah, that's just my disability. And I also suffer from um, wait, wait. my head cuts out and stuff. They, so, might, they yeah. might also hear some, ah, because I have a macaw who's being very sweet and quiet. So sometimes it'll be Sarah and sometimes it'll be Buster <laughs> with an opinion. And you won't be able to tell. It'll be just so confusing and disorientating for everybody involved. So yeah, some of the topics we're going to be talking about is um, autistic learning and education. So what I wanted to talk about that is the different ways that autistic people learn and some of the issues and barriers to education that we have. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of research actually on that as I develop a couple of new classes too. So and you're because you're a teacher, aren't you? So like, right. explain a little bit about your interest in that vlog. We're going to be doing that in a few weeks. So tell us a little bit about what you'd like to talk about in that. Um, what I'm trying to do is put together a class where kids on the spectrum at all different levels of the spectrum can come in to a classroom together and learn. We talk about basic social skills that are scary to talk about with kids who wouldn't necessarily understand, try to create a safe space. Ultimately, I would like it to be a place where the parents can join the kids because a lot of the kids who are more in need of support, uh, a lot of times the parents come to the room anyways. And I think it might be enlightening for parents to sit in the room with these kids. I've noticed that kids uh, who are autistic will automatically kind of slide towards the other kids um, and kind of relate to them before I might even realize because I haven't interacted with the kid yet. And these are kids who don't know mm -hmm. each other. So what I'm hoping is that by putting a group of them together, that they will be more inclined to start learning how to talk to each other in a supportive way and using shared experiences. Look, if, if you haven't dealt with autism in any way, you're not going to understand the idea of wanting to have a party because a kid ties their shoes. These things don't make sense. Big achievement. Yeah, and or the achievement, the kid brushes their teeth without having a meltdown at night. I, I personally went through a phase a few months ago. Like my Frank. Yeah, <laughs> I went through a phase a few months ago where I was throwing up 
when I would brush my teeth like every time. And I was like, well, then I'm just not going to brush my teeth because the acid from my stomach's going to erode them faster than not brushing. And I started doing some research and I found, uh, you know, the powders. Now they're starting to make these clay powders. It was actually mm. the slime of the toothpaste that was freaking me out and creating a sensory uh, aversion. Uh, you know what my sensory aversion to toothpaste is? No. It's mine is uh, the mint. When I was younger, the mint on my tongue, it would burn. <gasps> mint it burns burned me. so bad yeah. that my eyes streamed. Oh. And, oh, yeah, I, I brushed my teeth, but at great cost. And, yeah, and... and it, can still make me sick even now. So I'm going to, what are those, what are they called? Come on then. The I'll send you the link. Yeah, there's like, they're clay and they have, you know, I'm, I'm a hippie in California. I teach art. I mean, you're going to hear this kind of <laughs> stuff. And, and when I talk about this kind of stuff, I'm not saying that this will work for everyone. I'm saying that these are the things that I've made. Although this is just our advice. Kind of Literally, we're two lasses, two autistic lasses. We are only in our individual bodies. We can only give the advice. Yeah based on the experiences that we have. And and we just hope that over this podcast series, like you guys are able to relate because that's where it's not going to be just me and Ali. Right. That's, you're going to meet so that many representation. It's all, you know, representation is important. Autistic representation, yeah, absolutely. And we understand that we can't talk for everyone and we understand that it's going to be painful for some parents to watch or listen and go, oh, well, they're high-functioning. Oh, we're going to talk about functioning labels. Too. Ooh, we're going to have, yeah. Sorry, I popped that can open early. Our next episode is actually going to be What is Autism? The Triad and Sensory Issues Explained from an Autistic Perspective. So that's going to be next week. All right. But we're also going to do a vlog on autistic sensory issues. And I've got a fantastic autistic guest speaker nice. she's um a lecturer she's so intelligent tanya her name is That's so she's gonna be, gonna be appearing yeah so she's gonna so be am i gonna come and listen in and get to chat too or is that gonna be one of absolutely well actually i need to check with tanya i need to make sure basically I want I want to accommodate to her needs first. Okay, so perfect. That depends on whether fine. she feels overwhelmed or not. That kind of thing. So yeah, um, another thing we are going to talk about is the neurodiversity model versus or and the medical model. The, the current medical model is what we have is what autism is understood underneath, isn't it? And autism is diagnosed underneath. So we're going to be talking about that and having guest speakers of that. Oh, autistic creativity and innovation. I'm looking forward to speaking nice. about autistic identity and pride now what i mean by that i've had a few questions they said do you mean gay pride or do you mean gay identity and i don't i mean autistic identity like gay identity like black identity like woman identity but autistic identity what i what i what rob and i have been talking about because this is going along some of the the academic side that he's talking about uh this rob is my husband who's a movie critic and he's working on a theory right now on how autistics are presented in media and one of the things we were saying is that we want to make it absolutely clear that we're not trying to take over that identity what we're doing is we're saying that they are the people who paved the way for how to talk about deserving dignity this is where me and ali are different this is where i'm going crazy i have been waiting for so long to get my little stamp out and go autistic, 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 because I <laughs> am desperate. I am desperate to let people know loud and proud these people are autistic. Yeah. And look at what they are doing. Look at their innovation. Look at their creativity. I just get so excited and so desperate that it's not 
Yeah. Right, but you have to understand that words like pride are very specific to people who fought very yeah. hard to be acknowledged. And we need to see them as our as the people we look to respectfully as our leaders of how to talk about the dignity that we deserve. Everybody makes mistakes. Everyone's, you know, nobody's perfect. We're learning. But I think mm -hmm. the important thing is that, you know, the LGBT community and the African-American community and the suffragettes, these are people who have led the way to get us to this place where we can say, hey, you know, we're a subgroup and we would like to start talking about our identity too. We're allowed to start defining our own identity just like those people have been fighting for their right to define their own identity. And we're not making comparisons. We're saying that we are following their lead. Because I'm, we're going to have people representative like of those communities so here too. Yes. Because yes. it's not a mutually exclusive thing. So I just want to make it really clear right off the bat that I don't want anyone feeling like we're appropriating. Because we're not. We're admiring rather than appropriating. I don't know. I mm -hmm. worry about those sorts of things because I understand. I grew up with a diverse group of friends and people I knew. and. My brothers always had a lot of very diverse uh, friendships. And so I am very self-aware. You were saying earlier about how self-aware you are. I think that that, from what I've been reading, that girls who are autistic tend to have nearly crippling self-awareness because they really don't want to upset anyone because they've been hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, you feel well, we like We are going to talk right? about gender differences as well on, yeah, the, yeah. on the spectrum. We're going to be talking about how... Currently, the medical model is actually male right. bias in terms of the, the behaviors are based on the observations of males only yeah. from pretty much the 1940s and not much has changed. But I mean, you're yeah. the same way. Quite appalling, really. You're, you're also, you know, always concerned about, you know, that you're always shocked when you've offended someone like, oh, my God, that's not how I meant it at all. And, you know, we struggle with that because we say things so matter of fact and very dry and when we're thinking about it we don't have sometimes the social baggage because we're seeing things very analytically very robotically very this. logically yeah. i say i like to say logic yeah logically but with that logic there's still emotion like absolutely attached to it. and i have to use my logic to sometimes combat the emotion that is sometimes taking over that logic yeah you know and it's a constant battle. It's not like Spock where, you know, in Spock in Trek, he's one of the most famous people who identify with him as oh, autistic. But he's but always fighting his emotion. He, he's he always learning it. about it and bringing it to the forefront. He's always learning to bring it forward. No, he's always learning to not express it. Spock, Data's the one who wants to learn uh, how to be an emotional being. But I thought that Spock, because he was in his Vulcan society and I know his mother's his mother's human but I know I thought that he was so used to having it suppressed that when he interacts with humans he has to now to try learn to bring no it to no the no it's it's the opposite right. he's he's always trying to suppress it yeah he is a very I mean I I've always the he's all Spock's been my favorite character forever like I'm a hardcore like yeah like because my mom introduced me to the original series and she's when they started saying words like trekkers she's like i'm not a trekker i'm a trekkie and i'm like all right mom so it, she, I'm, right. I'm not arguing with her she was you know 
her dad bought the TV in their house, was like the first people owning a colored TV on the whole block so they could watch Star Trek. So my mom's properly obsessed. She has three Star Trek uniforms in her closet and has come to Comic-Con in San Diego with me. And so it trickles down, doesn't it? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Not at all. My dad's a massive fan and I've learned it from him. Right, so a few of the other things that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. So we're going to be doing, hopefully, I'm aiming to do 12 of these podcasts from now until Christmas. But because I'm autistic and because of my disability, I do sometimes need to take time out. So it may end up being 10. It may end up being 8. We'll see how it goes. We'll play it by ear. Um, so a few different things we're going to be talking about is um, autistic employment and equal opportunities. That's a great Autistic one. diagnosis do you like that one, Ali? Yeah, that's a that's a terrific, yeah. So the employment, so we've got autistic employment in terms of that. A lot of autistics end up in self-employment. I know I have anyway for the last however many years. And equal opportunities in terms of not only employment opportunities, but social opportunities, opportunities in, within different cultures, you know, because we're trying to be as global as possible. But I think a lot of our conversations are going to end up talking about Western, but we will try to look at our... Eastern follows as well because autistic is a global phenomenon. Well, I mean, we're going to have to rely on guests reaching out and finding guests to, us, to talk to. Because yes. I mean, please reach out to us, guys, because we don't we don't know. Yeah, we're, that's what we're trying to do is bring this all together so everyone has a safe space to share their wonderful creative worlds. One I'm really looking forward to is autistic sexuality and gender. Um, that's going to be a loaded one <laughs> yes yeah, so if um, anyone who's from that community who would, is really passionate about it please about any of these topics please reach out to us at agonyorty at gmail.com at facebook agonyorty instagram agonyorty twitter agonyorty patreon agonyorty as well um, also we're going to be looking at autistic mental health and emotional well-being that's good um, too so yeah loads of different issues so there were some things I wanted to ask you, Ali. I formed a pretty tight friendship with tight friendship <laughs> with you quite quickly. And I did it when I started Agony Orty. I started Agony Orty because my son's autistic. I'm autistic. I was diagnosed three years ago. I didn't know all my life. I thought, I just thought I was crazy. People just inferred it and told or directly told me I was to my face. I understand why that is now. It's because girls weren't really recognised until much recently. So I was born in 1986 and the diagnostic criteria has only really woken up to the women on the autistic spectrum, I would say, from the early 90s. Well, I was born and in 1978. Very slowly then. Yes. So in, um, in November 2016, so not even a year ago, my body started deconditioning, which is... My body's just started getting poorlier and, and the ligaments looser, the muscles weaker. And I've actually lost five and a half stone through illness. And I lost my job. I was a self-employed photographer after having difficulty with employment, which that's another story. And I 
You've lost five and a half stones for Americans at Look, 77 I'm show pounds. Ali. Ali's not seen me. Yeah, for, for Americans, five and a half stones is like 77 pounds. Oh, I was all the way out and now my ribs stick out. And like, I got really bad ribs anyway because the way my chest is. Oh, like, because of the... Sternum. And that's where your ribs have been dislocating when you sleep? Yeah, there. Ugh. I'm now 10 stone. I was 15 and a half, so I needed to lose weight anyway for my health. But now I've just gone too... It's too thin too quick and it's... If you think about what that is, the body has consumed All five and that. a half stone because it's needed it. Like, I'm just not happy about the rate of weight loss. I've lost three and a half stone. I've lost 45 Yeah, you've lost pounds. loads of weight yeah. since I met you because you've had health issues I've as well. Had, and we're going to talk about yeah. health and disability. But mine also has been, I mean, I've been sick and I've made uh, dietary changes because I had just terrible gut health. and. That's yeah. another thing that without this diagnosis, I would have never, it would have taken me much longer to understand about gut health because gut health is yeah. so integrated with autistic, with autistic uh, people. behavior. Yeah. Autist, not be, behavior, pardon me, autistic illness. Health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We're so vulnerable to tummy problems. It, it's I tough. I, say, I, I slip with behavior. Because for me, I, I when I gave up drinking dairy, uh, I was actually struggling with pretty devastating bout of depression, totally crippling. And a friend was in town and said, you need to stop drinking dairy. Just try it. What could it hurt? It doesn't cost anything. Just stop. And I was, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm a, I was a glass of milk in the morning, a glass of milk Me before too. bed, a slice of, of a cheddar every, you know, for a snack in the afternoon. I was mm-hmm. like yogurt twice a day. I was dairy, 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 dairy girl. And to cut that out, I was just like, for me, my entire will to live is just going to be slowly eroded from me. And that was my attitude at the beginning because I really just did not. Uh, I was addicted to the stuff. So I've been slowly losing the weight. And when I dropped the dairy, I like lost 30 pounds just like that. Yeah. And we are going to talk. We're going to talk about health, autistic health and disability. And we're We'll talk about our examples more in detail because I know you're going through testing and, and health right. issues as well. But with with Agony Orty, I kind of went into it because I became really housebound and I, I couldn't, I can't walk for more than five minutes without becoming fatigued and within pain. And my depression returned again. And I, 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 I only just recovered in 2015 from being suicidal. Yeah. You may think, what does she mean? Only just uh, recovered. Yeah, it took two years to yeah. recover from from that. That's a very private thing too. That it's important. Oh, I always feel embarrassed, like, and I shouldn't. People, you shouldn't. Like you're stepping out there and saying, "I'm going to talk about this," and you're embarrassed about it. We've got to get to the point where people can step out and talk about that and not be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you're going to start. Aww. Now everyone's going to follow behind. Thank it, you. It's important. You're so lovely. I need that. And that's why with Agony Orty, I, I began it because all those feelings began to return and I was just like, I can't go through this again. Not when my body is breaking down. I can't have my mind breaking down again. I think this will be the end of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's when I picked up the camera. I picked up the camera. That's just I unbelievable. I picked up the camera and for some reason I... 
I was like, I'm really struggling and opened up and I posted it in a group. I never yeah. set up a page. This I is just such it in a group. synergy. And then people reached out to me and they said, you should start a page. You should start blogging about your experience. And I was like, well, I've got nothing to lose. I'm stuck at home. And then I did it. And then before I knew it, I'd say probably a month later, if not three weeks after, Ali reached out to me and Oh my god, it was your that early perspective on was I'm gonna have to go open my mind because I didn't I was doubting everything I was doing. I was thinking I shouldn't be talking about this. This is private, people don't wanna know. And you and so many other followers of Agony Orty have let me know. Yeah, you've got like the them. best so, followers on the planet, like reading through some of the comments they make because Sarah gets messaged <laughs> a whole lot. It's like that Simpsons episode where Ringo finally gets back to Marge. You know that episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. love it. And I, every time I see how hard you're working to get, to get in contact with everyone and reply to everyone, I'm like, oh my God, you're going to end up being Ringo sitting there in every moment of your spare time <laughs> replying to all of these people because you want everyone to know that you're there I do. and you're and not like, alone. That, the podcast is you a really do. good way to do it. The podcast is a really good way for me to kind of talk to everyone, I guess. Yeah, just know that if you guys have PM'd Sarah, that Sarah really does agonize over... I read them, if not answer them, you know? I mean, the followers on Agony Audie have kind of brought back my faith in humanity because yeah. just reading the beautiful... Kindness. Liam as well. I, Liam as well. I was fully expecting to find a lot of vitriol and nasty and horrible responses. And and Ali has been so wonderful, and I trust her so implicitly. In the last fortnight, she's helped me. If you've noticed, the last fortnight, I've kind of sprung back into action because I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety and and just having that extra person to let me know it's okay and kind of hold my hand. <laughs> You know, you know, it, it helps a lot. So, Ali, what was it about Agony Orty then that you like? Because I, 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 I am curious. I have theories. It's actually fascinating. I, d- I have difficulty think... imagining what it is people like. Yeah, in all the time we've it. talked together, I don't think we've ever talked about what brought me. I've got to look back where I even found it. I at I had just lost the support of my therapist and I was really kind of lost and I'm like you know I was reading the books he had given me and all of the Asperger's and autism books are written about men's experiences the things that I was finding written by women were very academic and cold and not entirely helpful and I was feeling really like the only woman out there with autism that was needing to talk about it and and so then I'm like, you know what? God, I didn't even think of that. I should start looking to see because I was on like, you know, I'm on a Burmese cat rocks group. Talk about how awesome our Burmese cats are. And, you know, I was on a group to talk. I mean, talk about kidney, chronic kidney disease because my older cats were dying of it. You know, so I had all these support groups. I'm like, why on earth am I not looking for an autistic support group? There's got to be other, you know. Something on the internet for everyone. You know, they, on the internet, all of us can feel less alone. That's one beautiful thing that technology has really done for us. If this it's had still, happened... It, that is true, but we, we've got to... One of the things I do want to talk about in this series is internet safety. 
Oh, that's um, a good, yeah. Cyberbullying and things like that, because as wonderful it, as it is, I mean, for example, I would never have been able to reach out to you, never be able to meet anyone and to, to do Agony Orty if it wasn't for this. But it does come with its perils. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, you know, trolls are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So what video was it that you watched? And what was it about it that you liked or that I, you... I am not even, you know, I've watched so many of the videos now. I'm not even sure which one it was. But I remember calling my husband at work and saying, oh, my God. So he was aware that I had been hunting for support. Uh, I had said, I'm going to start looking for some support sites. And I had had a couple of really terrible run-ins with a couple of angry folks who kind of pursued me across different groups. This one guy was just attacking me for calling myself autistic. And, you know, I started... I had him as yeah, well. Yeah, and so I, I started, started reading up about it, and I'm like... And and then I realized that this guy just wanted to go after me. He actually go, He actually targets... He's well known for targeting yeah. autistic women who vlog Yeah, a couple of blog. other women yeah. had said, block him. He, he attacked me really bad, and a couple of women came to my defense and said, don't worry, and you commented and said... Oh, I know who this is. It's okay. This was new for me recently, too. And you, like, just kind of patted me on the back. And I I remember that. That was you. No way. That was not you. That was it. Oh, my God. That was it. And so so Rob said, maybe you ought to reach out to her as a friend. And I had just gone through a horrible Facebook purge because of, I don't know. I basically have, like, 15 friends now. And they're all people. See? So you know the internet can be a great place, but you need yeah, to be disciplined be very... and well-guarded. Yeah. I can't believe we're not in hugging distance. It absolutely makes me so sad. I hate both oceans I'm in oceans the UK now. in a little city called Chester, and Ali's in LA. Yeah. Are you, are you in LA? California? No, I'm in Orange County. Uh, but I wish we could just see each other. It makes me I so know. sad. And that's why it is great for autistic people to be able to connect over the internet and use technology. And yeah. if there's anyone listening and who would like to talk about like friendships and like any advice for online, yeah, specifically advice for autistics. And if you're autistic yourself, get in touch with us again. That's agnyorty at gmail.com. You are so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to ask, what is it, when I do my videos, I I do them, I never think before, they're always improvised, and unless some of the live chats where I know I'm going on live, I'll say to you guys, hey, I'm going to go on in an hour, and I'll quickly scribble down some notes, that's the most planned that you'll get from me with the live chats, but most of them, yeah, I just do hop on and let my emotions and let the monologue kind of come out, and it's just natural to me and, and it surprised me that people were think, saying I'm honest and things like that because I've always been that way and anyone who's my friend in real life understands and knows I'm that. I'm the same way, yeah. Um, I shock it's... people. I, don't you freak people out? Do you? I still am the type who like, if I, I see... When speaking about emotions, <laughs> yeah. I do, yeah. Like I'll, but... I'll see people on the street and I'll, be, I'll walk by a woman and go, you are so beautiful. Oh, I do that all the time. I go, you're so lovely. You're so lovely. You're so nice. Freaks people the hell out. It's like, it's okay. You know, I just, nothing by it. You're just, God, you're beautiful. You know, and every time it's like, I, I could have punched them in the face and maybe gotten less of a look like, what? <laughs> but what, what do you think that honesty that people are saying that I have, 
what do you think that's doing with the autistic community? Am I am I helping people? Oh, I think you am help. I... Oh, some days I, I just feel like I'm I'll tell just... you, I really do oh. feel like you know. I mean, I've got such a, a variety of masks that I wear, and like when I watched your video, I remember I remember calling Robin saying, "You've got to watch this video when you get home because this this woman is so brave, and she comes out here and she just." bears it all and this is what I've been feeling and these are the things that only Rob sees only my mom has seen only my dad and my dad had a really hard time you know I'm not gonna lie he didn't he didn't understand he really struggled we're really learning how to have a relationship with each other at last now you know, it's very hard for humans to understand that it's not intentional and you're not a brat that you have a meltdown because you had a vision of how you were being the perfect kid and that vision crumbled under the reality of a little mistake. And a little mistake is catastrophic because you had a vision of how it was going to go and that vision isn't coming to fruition and you depended on it because that was your control of the world because you have no control over the world. A plane can come buzzing by. I, you know what? work the other day they had a flood I asked it because it really bothered me they had a machine that uh started up about 45 minutes before my class was over and I I was actually in sensory overload for the rest of the mm -hmm. weekend it freaked mm -hmm. me out my chest was tight I was panicked Rob would touch me and I'd jump I mean it was I was in a state of sensory panic for a good mm -hmm. 34 hours just 34, 36 hours is well into the next day before I'm like, oh, that sound isn't going to come back. You mm. know, these are the things that nobody sees. My boss isn't going to see that. And there was nothing that could be done about it. They were soaking up the floor after a flood. These things happen. I'm in an, in an environment where she's very understanding. You know, she hired me knowing I was autistic. I... Decided I'm and I've been not... honest about my autism now for three years, yes. and it's always surprised me people's reactions. And there's a really cool campaign online called um, "Do I Look Autistic Yet?" Oh um, God, you started a few months. You tagged ago. me yeah. on that to look. That's amazing. There's a lot of voices starting to come out and say we're we're gonna start talking about this in a. And this podcast is about unifying them and Nine. getting them sharing this platform and getting them to kind of come on here. So if you're one of these. Pages, and if I've not heard of you, get in touch. Yeah, no, we I, want I, maximum I visibility. I mean, this is, we want everyone getting to share their experiences. I mean, what you've said about everything that I kind of show is very raw and that, you know, people don't normally see it. You're absolutely right, they don't. And sometimes I don't think about the consequences that I have a lot of people watching. And uh, this week I've had 31,000 <sighs> Facebook views. Wow, I didn't 40, know that. 000. Yeah, and that's because the fans are incredible. Like they just yeah, you've like, got amazing they, people they, here. They they share my work. They interact. They engage. They comment. That's the thing about autistic people are very loyal. Yes, you know. Yes, you don't realize, and and they they in those moments I've shared those really raw, scary moments. They've treated me with kindness. And Unbelievable. Acceptance. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you, the people who follow you on Agony Audi have been single handedly repairing my terror of human beings. They are, 
I'll tell you that that has helped me decide to go out and get this additional teaching job has helped me kind of reach out. And what about the assessment? Because like I said, the, the UK diagnostic criteria is different. So the assessment was basically, so who are you seeing then in October? Is it psychiatrist finally? Actually, it's kind of amazing. He is a psychiatrist that diagnosed me originally with ADHD when I was a teenager. And he's so funny. He's like, well, you know, that's on the spectrum too. And we really weren't diagnosing girls with autism. And so yes. I, I kind of think it's kind of this beautiful little circle because it allows him to address the fact that it was... Girls are underdiagnosed right, and, and underrecognized. And the idea that he can say, I'm fixing this. He really was just... It, it, it's painful to me that circumstances ended up us losing him because, God, he saved my marriage. <laughs> You know, he gave Rob and I the tools to start. We always loved each other. You know, I think that's another thing to talk about, too, is relationships. Because we're both... Yes, relationships between autistics and neurotypicals, autistics and neurodivergence, yeah. and autistics and autistics. Because even Rob, like this morning, we were autistics watching... Humans. You know, the new Pink album's dropping in a couple days, and she's releasing singles, and the new one is so good, and... We both kind of just held each other's hands and Rob Rob was like, the two of us really do understand each other and we've come such a long way and we've worked so hard for this and we're we're making it. We're doing this, you know, and it's you and me. We're in the fox all together. And it's like, you know, we really are. Rob's autistic as well, isn't he? Mm, yeah, Rob is. It was Your cute. Husband. And that was the same therapist, you know, we kept going to him because he was helping us with some of our communication issues. And as we were talking, Rob was having a, we had a really three day just explosion. Like we're divorcing just horrible. Oh, I've had up. that with yeah, me. Cat cat catastrophe. I, I always call it yeah. that we're catastrophizing. And this pink song, it's like we're sinking. It's, it's, we're in a sinking ship and it's like, yeah, that's what it, it feels like. It feels like we're going down and it's, it's the end. And then, somehow we managed to find our way back to each other and we understand we find a way to talk about our feelings and our issues and the fact that neither of us are feeling validated or listened to and at some point we both have to s sit down and listen to each other and there were things that this therapist helped us with and at one point we were talking and Rob was explaining and Rob gets very pedantic when he explains it's very sequence based my therapist said um said it's not about the details you need to start identifying with the feelings that are happening under that because it's not what happened it's the emotions that it triggered i mean ali you're you're older than me aren't you yeah you're like 10, 10 years but nine years uh, 10 I'll, years older i'll than be me. 40 in february yeah you know you've got more life experience than me and ali's been really helping me through understanding that because autistic people have great difficulty letting go of the details because yeah. we're so fantastic at remembering the details, yes. noticing the details. And no one remembers picking up on the details the that way. nobody else would yeah. ever even pick up on. And with my visual photographic memory that I have, yeah. that that that's that's problematic. Well and but, it's even and more so problematic because we're taught that everyone's everyone sees things differently and everyone's way of seeing it is different. While I would maintain that autistics usually are so fixated on the details that our recollection is probably more accurate. But then what do you do when, like, Rob and I, where he is also autistic, and, it, and that's what was happening is finally uh, my therapist was like, 
You know, Rob, I, I think you're really firmly on the spectrum, too. We might want to do the test on you at some point as we're dealing with this stuff. And that was one of the unfortunate mm -hmm. things when we lost him is I thought we were really, you know, heading towards self-realization that was going to be really helpful for us. And it has been. I mean, mm -hmm. we learned, we took what we needed, I guess, and we've been able to maintain it. So, you know, he's out there and he saved our marriage and I'm trying to help. I do firmly believe, and I think we've talked about this too, that I would like my suffering to count for something by sharing it. Yeah, It doesn't do anyone any good if other people can't avoid that kind of suffering. I think we need to stop apologizing, though, right now for the advice that we give. Yeah. Because I hope they know that we are two people who are just talking about our opinions and our experiences. And that's just today because we're going to have so many different people on it who will counteract it and get to actually counteract our opinions and then that's when we'll have yeah, a discussion but that's what we need to exactly that's when it gets exciting you have to hang out for the stuff that you don't necessarily agree with because you're not going to learn if you don't listen to as much as you can valid no, discussion and... you know we're not going to talk about things that uh, have no scientific proof like we're i don't think we should ever we're just not going to talk oh yeah about... we everything sci i'm very we're very scientific yeah i love quantum physics physics neuroscience, yeah. um, anthropology, history. So everything's kind of, my theories and opinions are based on the evidence around me. Yeah. Not just, my opinion is my opinion. Yeah. Like, well, where's your opinion based in? What's it based on? Yeah. And oh, oh, I know it is your opinion. It was pulled from your ass. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so Sarah, how did you get diagnosed? Oh. How'd you find out you were autistic? Through Frank. Yeah, Frank was clearly autistic, and I'll talk about his own diagnosis story another day. But it was really strange to me that my son was diagnosed autistic, but he was the most familiar person to me in the world. So what I mean by that is Frank is the person who is the most similar to me. He did the eye, which is why I close one eye and zoom in and out. He licks, used to lick things. He had sensory issues, flaps his hands, very emotional, food sensitivities, serious food aversions, self-harming behaviours. This child was me. So how could he be autistic and I'm not? And then all of a sudden, before I could really even digest that thought, my mum and Liam are saying, Sarah, we think you're autistic. And I was just, really? I mean, it does make sense, but I don't think I can have this. I don't feel like I can own this because my son's needs are more severe than mine and his needs are more severe because he only came out of nappies last year and he's six in November and he has learning delays where he needs a lot of assistance. He needs a lot of reassurance and there's nothing wrong with that. What the problem is, is that society doesn't have the time for that and also parents don't have the support to do that because these children are like you said are like the scared little mice like that scared little desperado mice in the yeah, world yeah and they need to be reassured and taught how to understand these emotions make sense of these emotions process the emotions process the sensory environment which we see high 
perceptive touch, perceptive to taste, proprioception, we can be hyposensitive and hypersensitive. So hyposensitive is why I rip my skin off. That's when I'm undersensitive. When we are undersensitive, we tend to be nervous. So we want to kind of move to kind of soothe the body. Yeah, we've both been looking at each other on the camera. You and I both do a lot of... uh, You don't shake because you're hyperactive. You shake because... Your, your emotions are the psychoactive part of your body is so intense that it dulls down the physical feeling of having a body. That is what it is like to be autistic mm-hmm. for me. Now, if that sounds alien or if that sounds like being on a different planet or if that sounds taking like taking drugs, so be it. When I was diagnosed, I was so relieved to have been diagnosed by the most wonderful psychiatrist. He's actually... It's really funny when sometimes you get trolls questioning my 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 autism identity because this psychiatrist is now the autism champion for England. Nice. The NHS. And he's amazing. I remember the tie that he was wearing the, on the day because I have visual memory. Uh, and he said to me, this is really funny. Basically, sorry, I had to, to get referred to the psychiatrist. I've been in and out of um, mental health advice for 10 years. And my psychologist agreed that yes she thinks I'm autistic because she said to me have you heard of something called Asperger's or autism and I said yes my son's autistic (laughs) and she's like oh well that makes sense because (laughs) and I was like okay well my my mum and my husband think I'm autistic too so the next step then was to be referred to a psychiatrist then there was a wait Uh, I had to wait eight months I think I had to wait the waiting times have now zoomed back up to two years in the UK. Oh, my God. However, there was an act in Parliament recently <sighs> where the UK government have dedicated to bringing autism waiting times to diagnosis back down to 13 weeks. So we'll see about that. That's good. That's hopeful. We're hopeful. I'm holding you guys to it. I mean, it's taken me three years to find anyone who is even willing to... Every time I called, you know, they'd be like, oh, we don't work with adults. Or yeah. I'm sorry, no opening. Oh, we opening. do. And that's the thing. We are really fortunate in the UK to have an adult UK diagnostic yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that's so crazy that in, in the in the USA you have to be you have to be sponsored, don't you? But with, with my well, diagnosis... Well, no, you don't. You just said, have to go to a diagnostic psychiatrist. You don't need a sponsor. You don't need to be recommended to go to a psychiatrist. But I, I can't. You needed funding to get the, oh, the assessment. No, I mean that's because the assessment costs anywhere between three thousand to five thousand dollars. So that kind of sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm a teacher. My husband's a writer. We don't make, you know, enough money. To, I mean, my God, I can't even remember the last time we had five thousand dollars. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, no. I live literally week to week. Same I here. Liam live literally a hundred pound in the bank week to week. Yeah, paycheck um, to paycheck, hand to mouth. You know? you know, having an autistic child has a lot of expenses to it because because special needs companies you have hijacked the prices up on the equipment for autistic people, yeah. and it is shocking. I am sorry, uh, completely capitalized on that, but that's another issue. But yeah, so I was diagnosed pretty much on the spot. Because there was an occupational therapist there. And Ian Davidson, that's it. That's my psychiatrist. He said to me, um, he's the autism champion in the UK. He said to me, he doesn't usually diagnose on the day because there normally isn't enough information on the day. But because of the amount of history that they had on me over 10 years, remember, 10 years of me 
going in and out of mental health. And when I was 13, I was I was seeing a psychologist for my food aversions as well. Uh-huh. So they had a lot. They had a lot. And he said to me after consulting the occupational therapist, you know, I, I'm so sorry that it has taken this long, but you are autistic and I'm happy that you see this as a positive thing because he knew I did. I said to him, thank you because now I understand yeah. that I'm not losing my mind, that I'm not losing my memory, yeah. that I'm not losing my sanity, my body, my senses. That's what I and was And that's what sensory versions too. feel like because yeah. meltdowns and sensory aversions feel so overwhelming. Yeah, I, I know I've had experiences with in-laws where I have had meltdowns that freaked them out and they probably think very low of me for those incidents and it was because I had no control of the situation and they hadn't prepared me for what was going to happen and they didn't understand and I didn't understand because it was before I knew I was autistic and looking back on it I'm like oh my god that was a meltdown because this and this happened and I felt frightened uh the Mm -hmm. meltdown was an inhaler I didn't have an inhaler and I am asthmatic and I started to have asthma attack. So I literally had a meltdown because I thought I was going to suffocate to death on Main Street in Disneyland. I'm sure there was a lot of opinion of, well, why didn't you take care of it yourself? It's your health. And yes, and I suck at this. There was a question actually I wanted to read out about diagnosis. This is from Tete Moon. How do you tell people you are autistic? when you got diagnosed as an adult, or even should you tell people? And then another question on the subject is... It's a good question. Yeah, it is. And another one from Jenny Lamond on the subject is to diagnose or not to diagnose, pluses and minuses. What do you think, Ali? Briefly, what would you say is the benefit of self-realisation of being autistic and your personal benefits? And we're not speaking on behalf of anyone else, but just your personal benefits of diagnosis. I tell everyone. I remember when I first started telling loud everyone, and proud. Yeah, I'm kind of loud, anyways. So there's there's no point in pretending for me because it's gonna it's gonna be obvious. And finally, I actually uh, went to uh, an event with my brother, and and it was funny. He's like, Allie's the only one who didn't say something wildly embarrassing. Allie's the only one who behaved. And I'm like, and what a shame because you actually had an excuse. You could just say she's autistic. You know what? I I always joke about that because I have, it took me a long time to learn to be okay with my honesty. With being yourself. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own it. You know, when people yell at me for saying I'm autistic, I finally know I'm not totally insane. I finally know why I freak out when the sun is out, why I don't see things well and why I get And now we can begin to help other people understand themselves, to take ownership of that. You know, I mean, it's amazing. All the hearing tests and doctors saying, well, you've got a little diminished hearing from your, um, all the ear infections as a child, but you, you hear fine. But there are times I can't hear anything and it's not because of my ears. It's not the the medical, you know, the scientific part. It's the processing when it hits the brain, which is part of the reason I struggle with phone calls because I don't, I can't hear unless I'm looking. I have a very hard time. I often lip read mm. because sometimes my brain can't handle the sound well, of I've another, got another person's voice. I've another question voice. here, so then I can zoom back to Skype then because I've had to zoom off Skype because I 
to help Ali with that, I we do video Skype so she can see my face during that. And I, I, I have to hop off sometimes to answer questions and things yeah. like that. <laughs> to look at the computer so, screen. <laughs> does that help then? Like you can see, because you did explain that to me ages ago and I completely forgot. So you need, and that's the thing, speak up. Let me know your needs. Let me know, Sarah. I, could you repeat that? Or Sarah, can you, can you hop back on? Because, you know, if you don't, if you don't tell, we'll never know. And all autistic people need to be okay about expressing their needs. Yeah, but vocal. Just remember to be vocal, but just be respectful. <laughs> that, that's the difficult well, part. I mean, <laughs> I, more mean. even than respectful, because I, I, I think respectful is a hard word for us. Because, you know, we we sometimes think that being totally honest is being respectful. And sometimes that's not true. I would say, yeah. I would go one more step and I would say, really try to be kind because I think kind thank you we all brilliant we all are everyone I and neurotypicals autistics alike are are, I think we all are scared and we all are frightened of cruelty everyone has experienced being treated badly you know everyone well maybe maybe not everyone but I uh you you know what I mean. I mean it's it's No, I know, yeah. Kindness is something that we all need to that is work. It is it's hard to be kind sometimes because It's you, hard to be kind when someone's hurt you. Yeah. If someone's not hurt me, then being kind is easy. I don't yeah. understand why people don't do it. Being kind is the best emotion. I think it's kind an emotion. I don't know. I think kind is a state See, we struggle of... with emotions. I struggle with emotions. I struggle with identifying the bloody <laughs> things. Oh, oh, that was agony always <laughs> first. <laughs> I, I, I popped that F-bomb. earlier. <laughs> so I've got a question here, Ali. Mark Simpson, he's put that he'd like to basically hear experiences over the series because um, we're talking about the diagnostic experience from yeah. you're the age 39, I'm 20, I was 27 when I was diagnosed. But what about autistics who weren't diagnosed? And what about autistics who were born in the 1940s who are only finding out now when they're 60, when they're 70? That's they're gonna autistic. Be, I'm going to have, there's a couple of people I'd We'd like to We'd love to invite you to. on this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's right for us to decide whether those people need to seek a diagnosis it's such a personal you know it's like absolutely it's, it's I like, can't ever give you recommendation advice on whether you need to but I would say if you're really if it, if it, it did it answers and gives you support and need then well remember yeah. you and I were talking at one point because I was really struggling to find someone to diagnose me and I really need a medical diagnosis. I need it. I need, for me, it is necessary. And you said, you know, Allie, the Absolutely. things that you're struggling with, the questions, the self-doubt, none of that's going to go away with a diagnosis. All those things will still be there. You'll just have a piece of paper that says you're autistic. And I thought about that a lot. And I talked to my parents about it. And they also understand my mind. And they understand that I need it on that piece. But that is a very private personal choice and no one can make that for you that is you know i've had discussions with my brother where he's like you shouldn't tell anybody and i'm like i i can't well your brother said that to you he has said that uh you know that you shouldn't tell anyone that you're autistic yeah okay 
Um, and what was his reasoning? All protect. He's okay. very protective. He's very concerned. So he didn't want people to hurt you, stigmatize. Always. So he's very aware of the taboos. He's that, aware. That surround autism. I am sure with him because he was, he's three and a half years younger than I am. And he used to get put in the trash can because he would defend me if he thought I needed defending. He was always very supportive. I was the big sister and he was the one coming to my defense. And it, he's, mm. we've always been extremely so close. He's a just. And you have told me about that lovely relationship. Yeah. Um, and I know I've changed my mind, my, my dad's mind, because my dad at first was like, I wish you wouldn't tell people it makes people uncomfortable. And I said, are you sure it doesn't just make you uncomfortable? <laughs> in typical autistic, like, I didn't realize until later that wasn't a very nice thing to say. And my dad, God, you know, he really is working hard to understand something very new and very scary. And from his generation, autism is, uh, you know, it is a scary thing because of the way it was. And that we're seeing, that's why we want to talk about the representation right. in media and culture because autism, it's time for people to realize that autistic people are just humans, for goodness yep. sake. Humans who communicate differently. Some of us are verbal. Some of us are pre-verbal, which means we have a limited vocabulary. Yeah. Some of us are echolalic, which means that we only repeat Echo, words. is that the echoing? Yeah. Yeah. And some of us are selective mutes, which means that we we are able to talk, but when emotionally overwhelmed, our, we, we the body becomes selectively mute and we can't participate in conversation until the body learns to regulate again and that happens to me and we have autistics who are unable to deal with the sensory aversions because their sensory aversions are so prominent yeah so evasive so all-encompassing I mean one of the things I wanted to to say is um autism as we know is a spectrum everybody is different and and I hope we've kind of gotten that across as an introduction in today's show. I mean, one of the last questions I want to read out before we get going is, do you have any advice for autistic adults who struggle with executive dysfunction, especially after a day of school or work? Now, oh. I am useless at this. This is this is my bread and butter. This is... Executive dysfunctioning is pretty similar to organisation issues. <laughs> To, to people who have ADHD. Yeah. So um, it's like running mind syndrome, I like to call it. The mind racing at a million thousand miles an hour. From it's, from my research, it also is something that women tend to have a lot can't more... Make sense of them. Trouble, ...trouble with because women are so um, encouraged to women have autistic. social skills. Yeah, and men are so encouraged to have practical skills. And so oftentimes women are even more behind in executive functioning from the studies that, that I've been reading. I talk a lot about executive function because I'm a teacher. And so it is something that I struggle with a lot. I still have lists like physically up in my house because having like alarms on my phone didn't do anything because I'll just not have my sound on on my phone. If I want to avoid it, I will. I can't avoid the list my mom made me that sits on my wall and when my mom comes in every few months, we review the list. Uh, she comes to visit every six months or so these days. We'll review the list and I'll say, Mom, here's the stuff that I'm struggling with right now. Can you help me organize it? And my mom goes through little by little. We re Because we've been living in this new place for two and a half years now. And so I have to restructure 
everything from mm -hmm. scratch all over again. It's very I disruptive think, for me. I think Liam struggles massively. Liam and me have big executive functioning issues. And I think our advice to each other is we have tried to prompt each other yeah. to rem remind each other to write things down and yeah. make lists. Um, and the reason this can be such a confusing way to live is because my head is so disorganized, busy, full. Yeah. You can't make sense of which thought to think about first because yeah. you are thinking about all 50 at once. So yeah. how do you pluck one of them out yeah. to make the important to-do task? Yeah. How do you do that? Now, some of these are only thoughts. Some of these are ideas. Some of these are memories. Some of these are sensations that your brain are feeling and you mm -hmm. can feel it all processing at once. And I feel like that is the autistic kind of processing experience of stimuli, mm -hmm. social stimuli, cultural stimuli, uh, sensory stimuli, emotional stimuli. God, and we're affected by everything too. But even writing it down is not easy because I can't, talking it through for me. Yeah, that's what I have to a do. a monologue. Yeah. Because inside my head is too busy. Yeah. So... I cannot think about what I'm going to say because how can I think about what I'm going to say? Talking out loud. My uncle Mick said something beautiful to me today. He said, Sarah, I can see that your mouth is struggling to keep up with what is going on inside your brain. My mom always Because your brain is going at 90 miles per hour yeah. and you're struggling to make sense of it. And I can see that you're communicating to me, your communication to me is you making sense of what is going on in your head. Yeah. So when when Freud, Sigmund Freud, you know, whatever, when he mm -hmm. said that talking therapy is good, is the best therapy, he wasn't wrong. He, you know, it didn't go far enough. It was that was the Victorians' fault for because they were so bloody conservative and anal, they Uptight. wouldn't talk. And yeah. That was their fault for only using that mo one model for ages. But talking is key because it enables you to get out what's going inside, especially mm -hmm. if you are ADHD personalities, OCD personalities. Maybe you have a lot of energy. Maybe you have hypersensitivity, so you have a lot of stimming behaviors. You like to spin. You like to circle. You like to pace. Or writing things down, talking about it, singing about it, creating something that lets you get a bit Obsessing. of your head out. You know, that, I think that has to do with some of the things that we get obsessive about, like my Star Trek or my Hunger Games thing. The doing something. Yeah. Doing something achieves that. Yeah. As Focusing well as, and sending that. Mind. Yeah, sending that focus into some, funneling it into something where you just super focus on that one thing. That is for me. Mm, and meditation. Meditation is something I really want to get into. So if anyone is autistic, yeah, and we need to talk about that. It's great at meditation. Please, you want to hear from you. We'd love to invite you onto our show. Yeah. I hope uh, everyone's enjoyed this. I don't know how we did. <laughs> if you did like it, tweet. Find me on Twitter. It's Agony Orty. And the hashtag is Agony Orty Pod uh, for now until we think of a name. We have no idea what the name Actually, let's just leave this one nameless. And because we are start a startup, we do need money to contribute to this so we can get mics that we can better our equipment 
so we can send out for our co-hosts and our anchors because we don't want our autistic guests going out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So we need as much help as we can get. We're going to be asking for a little dollar. That's a good idea. Tip jar. Especially because my your idea, Ali. It was your idea, Ali. I didn't even you realize. gave me the courage to do it because I've been so scared of asking okay, anyone. Okay, so so anyone I'm anyone broke. who this pisses off, forgive me. I'm I I worry about my friend being able to take care of her family, and you can you can hate on the me. table. Yeah, you're welcome to hate me for uh, telling her that she needed to ask for you know. I I said <laughs> I said you know. It'd be okay for you to ask for a cup of coffee because if you were meeting with a friend or if you were helping somebody out, it's just common decency to buy a cup of coffee to have a chat. And I thought, you know, a coffee and a scone might be a nice way of, you know, if you wanted something a little more. But I would like a coffee and a scone. A yes. scone? Am I really? But I actually say it scone. Wrong? No, I say okay. scone. I say scone. I can't I stand scone. So it makes me feel sick. To... It's canical. <laughs> scone is canical. Kanaku. Kanaku is like a corny, gross word that makes me want to be sick because the way it sounds just makes me want to vomit. It's like a sensory version of like the way the sound wave interacts with my mind. Is that a different, uh, is that an accent? Oh, pardon me. That was, that was worthy. So if you enjoyed today, please join in next time. Go to Twitter. Uh, Ali, do you have anyone anywhere that people can follow you yet? Are you still a little bit shy and humble? I'm still... I want, you know, I'm I'm a perfectionist and I'm trying to put this alley cat tutoring together where I'm going to talk about educational approaches and really work on talking about how we can use education to start making environments conducive to autistics who are capable of learning. And I think autistics are capable of so much more than anyone is giving us credit for. And I think we've got to stand up and say that. Awesome. And that's what this podcast's going to be doing each week. We're going to be celebrating autism diversity. We're going to be proud about ourselves instead of ashamed about ourselves. We're going to be reminding each other, being kind to each other, reminding each other, no, you're awesome. No, I go through that too. Do you inspire me? Because that kindness goes so far. It does with everyone. Everyone's just got to be a little kinder. And the kindness that we receive, it's just insane. Yeah, oh God, your your supporters, again, I I really do believe my faith in humanity. Well, I am relying on my supporters. I am relying... Yeah, I'm relying on my supporters to treat my alley cat next. <laughs> I know they will. Otherwise, I never would have invited her to be a co-host. <laughs> oh, I'm just a calcified old lady. <laughs> Thank you so much. We hope you tune in again next time. We are going to have a guest next time. And I'm going to keep it secret because I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that works too. Um, Liam is going to be our amazing editor. And Liam's going to be appearing on here. To see him soon as well so yeah please follow me at agony Orty on facebook instagram and twitter please go and check us out at patreon and and like ali said buy me a skull <laughs> but buy me frank and liam a skull <laughs> anyway peace and love um and thank you so much for listening yes <laughs>